0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Pastor Ben Miller, and he pastors Trinity Church in Syosset, New York. Uh, Pastor Ben, it's an honor to have you on with us today.
1: Really good to be back, Dan. Thank you.
0: You're a special friend to us because for quite a while our son and daughter-in-law, Stephen and Min Lee, attended your church there on mm-hmm. long Island, and um, once in the, once in a while, we were able to come down and take in a service and It was a wonderful service, each and every one of them and I remember during the time of uh, covid um, you had a service uh, at your home in the backyard, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, it was uh, I believe that one of those that we attended was uh, the baptism of our granddaughter. Yes. And that that was a very, very special service to us. So uh, we Mm -hmm. feel endeared to you, to your church, Mm -hmm. and uh, Trinity Church, um, my understanding is it's been around now for some 10 years. And so you you were there with actually Bill Shishko in in the original church that Mm -hmm. he was in, and then um, you became a like an evangelist with the OPC and the organizing pastor of Trinity Church, and now it's a particular church within the OPC. And did I get a, that all right? <laughs>
1: yeah, that's very good. Yep, we uh, planted Trinity in September uh, 2011. So thankful for the you know our mother church back in Franklin Square, and for mm. all God's mercy since.
0: Yes, and of course every day since has been. Uh, just a just a cakewalk, really, really easy, right <laughs> <laughs> yes. oh yes it's your leisure <laughs> it it's it 's oh, by the grace well. of God that one of you guys even survive ten years. people don 't have any idea of what a pastor has to go through, especially when you have limited resources
1: well it it is a a work that um you know certainly requires effort and and uh you know and and love and sacrifice, but that's true for all christian work and mm. you know it really is a privilege to love the sheep for which Christ gave his life, and you know in light of his sacrifice it's really all of this is a is a privilege, but yeah it's labor intensive these are challenging times, and you know God's people have a lot that they need and so you know, it's just good to walk with them and try to provide something yeah. that's what they need.
0: I can imagine um, that for many pastors, going through the whole COVID mess mm. uh, was almost enough to throw in the towel. It had to be very difficult with all of the adjustments that pastors have had to go through with with this crazy COVID.
1: Yeah, there have been a lot of logistical challenges, <clears throat> obviously. Um I think what's perhaps been even more uh, taxing uh, from a pastoral standpoint has been just trying to discern the Lord's wisdom to help people whose lives have just been unsettled in ways they've never experienced and I've never experienced. And on so many levels personal lives unsettled, vocational lives, obviously the political unrest. And it's just been a lot to navigate. And I feel like. I find myself thinking harder than ever. Sometimes I feel like I've done a lot more mental work than I'm even doing sort of at a practical level just trying to figure out, okay, how do we respond to this?
0: Yeah, and and most recently, um, you know in the reform faith we have this strong sense of you don't bind the conscience where god has left it free and with with our president making a, a vaccine mandate and kind of overreaching and uh, and then punishing people now we now I, I personally know people that have lost their jobs and uh, even people that that <laughs> had the antibodies. They, they they had COVID already, which which is better than the vaccine itself. And and here they are, um their whole career is is in shambles on the ground. And I I think it's very hard for what people are you know, to people and what they're going through right now.
1: It is very hard. Um and I, I don't I don't know how far down this road you'd like to, to go in this conversation, but yeah that's something I've spent obviously a great deal of time thinking about. And I do think that there's a need for Christians in our time to go back to Scripture and to our Christian history and rethink our political first principles. And by political, I don't—unfortunately, the word political now tends to mean American politics. But (laughs) by political, I mean the the old idea of life in a polis— life in a community, and what are Christ's, um, what are biblical principles that relate to that, and and what has our Christian tradition given us by the way of resources and, and, you know, kind of big ideas? And I have sensed a lot of confusion about that, Mm. um, which is something I spent a lot of time just pondering and, and seeking to hopefully bring some clarity as a pastor, what is the what is the realm of the conscience? When is it impinged upon? What does it mean that our bodies are actually in the world and are in the polis, and they mm-hmm. don't belong entirely to us? You know, And so, you know, the idea of bodily autonomy is just not a Christian political idea. But living together as bodies, in a body, in a political body, there are a lot of challenges. And when you have a major <clears throat> public health situation and... The powers that be are trying to address that, and it's affecting our life together as people who don't just have minds and hearts and consciences, but actually have bodies that have to interact with each other. There's a lot going on. Yeah, there is. There's a lot to think about.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe we can pursue that someday. Uh, I appreciate the fact that you've thought about it so much. Um, One thing that happens with the pastor, and I'm not a pastor, but— uh, week by week, it doesn't go away. You've got to get your sermon ready, and it's a it's a uh-huh. major it's a major deliverable. U- using uh, project management <laughs> terms, <laughs> it's yeah. a, I mean, it's a major deliverable, um, and and you even it, sometimes you'll have a Wednesday service. Sometimes there's an evening service. Sometimes there's <gasps> meetings and elders meetings and and all of that. So um, it doesn't go away. And so you must be empowered by the Spirit, must be called to the ministry. Um, so um, what have you been thinking about lately in terms of, let's, let's say last week, what did you preach on last week?
1: I'm actually thankful that I... I preach through books of the Bible because it forces me to not just think about what I'm thinking about, but to think about what the scripture wants me to think about. (laughs) It so happens that I'm in the middle. I'm actually almost at the end now of a series on the the letter of James. And last Sunday we were in the very beginning of chapter five and the first six verses are a blistering uh, denunciation of rich people who are oppressing uh, fairly poor christian workers they 're they 're defrauding them of their wages and it 's one of those texts where you get into it and you realize james he basically tells these rich overlords that you are fattening your hearts for a day of slaughter <laughs> basically there there's a fire being kindled, and you know your your wealth is going to you know, basically, part of the flames that consume you. It's a very, very strong denunciation, yeah. and and you come to this, and you know, two things you're trying to be careful of. One is you don't want to make God's people feel like somehow they're on in the crosshairs of God's judgments against the wicked, because they're not. You know, God's people are we're sinners, but we're not the wicked. We're His children, and so how do you how do you speak to God's people about these things? And also, trying to be careful that you don't too quickly draw lines from wicked powers that james is talking to you know draw a direct line to powers on our own day that we don't like sure sure (laughs) and so just trying to be careful um but i did there was one phrase in in that denunciation that i i thought was very interesting and james says you've lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence now i'm on long island and this is a very affluent area and so what I tried to do at one point in the sermon, and I think this might be fruitful to talk about now, is just to get people thinking about luxury. Now, you know, luxury, living in luxury can, you know, if, if you have a wicked heart, and, you, and these these people to whom James is uh, speaking, uh, you know, they're wicked people, and they were living in luxury, and they were oppressing and exploiting other people, and that's that's one way that luxury can a life of luxury can can lead to to sin. But I was just trying to think with our folks for a few minutes about first of all, are are our lives luxurious oh. and could that make us self indulgent? So you know, I began with just a simple idea that luxury is anything that you do and it's anything that you acquire, not because you need it, but just because it gratifies your appetites. And it's worth thinking about that. Yeah. We talked about some specifics. The fact that we have you know, 35 cereal options at the grocery store. Now, food is a need, but that many options is a luxury. The fact that we all have dressers full of clothing, that's a luxury. The fact that we have houses with more than one room, more than one floor in many cases. The fact that we have cosmetics. The fact that we can choose a career path, choose a school. Um, the fact that um, you know, we we hold these connective devices in our hands, where we're able to be in touch all the time. You know, I've heard people say, "I, you know, I need a new su- need a new smartphone." That, that is <laughs> under no definition of human need in the history of human need. Is that a need. Um, and so we, I think, we don't realize in North America, and certainly here in Long Island, we don't realize how much our life is quite literally saturated in luxury.
0: Yes.
1: Now. Is that a problem? Um, I mean, it's not a problem in itself. I actually get very worried about Christians who seem to think that following Jesus means you have to live on an austerity budget all mm-hmm. the time, or that somehow the quite radical move that some Christians make just because they love Jesus of selling their possessions and giving it all away and you know that kind of thing, that, that somehow is a model that all Christians should follow because you have many people in the Bible who were people with resources and resources are good. And I think actually the ideal for a Christian should be to not just have what you need, but more so you can bless others and,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, live a cel- in celebration of the Lord's goodness. But I think it's worth just really thinking about how our 21st century North American luxurious lifestyle makes us self-indulgent. Mm. And, What I was trying to just think about for myself and lean on with with our folks a bit was very few people, and I would even say, I'm not sure anyone (laughs) who's a sinner, has the ability to live a life that is just steeped in luxury every day and not have that begin to change your heart and change your character. Yes, yes. In very subtle ways, you know, and the way I put it in the sermon, the, the more the more our appetites and wants are gratified, the reality is the more selfish we become. Hmm. Um, now, again, the sin, the sin is not in the luxury. The, the problem is not the, cr- the created thing that we're enjo- we, we enjoy. The problem, of course, is within us that we get selfish with luxury. We become self-indulgent. And I was just thinking about how that works. Um, you know, is luxury in the way of worship for many of us? Hmm. You know, luxuries require a great deal of maintenance, they require a great deal of attention. I actually have told people here, our stress, our economic stress, you talk to Long Islanders, many of them would say they're economically stressed, and they're not stressed because they're trying to meet their needs, they're not stressed because they're trying to make ends meet, they're stressed because they're trying to maintain a luxury lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And it is exhausting. It takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of energy, it does keep us from worshipfulness,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know. I just think we have to be awake to that. Um, it keeps us from contentment. You know, I've I've watched this as a parent now for 18 years, and you can see how children that have had their appetites gratified start to sort of expect that. Not because they're particularly, you know, particularly entitled, but, you know, there is a kind of entitlement that comes for all of us. You know, I've had this, I like this, I'm kind of annoyed when I can't have it. In fact, I'm a little annoyed when I can't have more. (laughs) Well I'm, you know, glad, and I'm, I'm glad
0: you I'm glad you mentioned that because as I was listening to you talk, the word entitlement came to my mind. How that you hmm. without realizing it, you fall into the trap of saying, Well, I'm owed this or I deserve yes. this. And and that, yes. that that can be a very dangerous hmm. attitude.
1: We wouldn't say it out loud, usually, but <laughs> when I'm frustrated if something doesn't come about I can't have that you know the, the kid pitching the fit because I can't have the exact flavor of ice cream that I want is the, the way I described it on Sunday that that's there's something of a heart thing there and so and patience luxury doesn't make us more patient luxury makes us very impatient because when you mm-hmm. get used to luxury you don't want to wait for more luxury <laughs> you just mm-hmm. want it and you want it now. Um, humility. I don't. I, you know, most of us would not think of ourselves as status seekers. But as your life fills up with good things, it is very, very easy to kind of look around and notice that I'm, I'm kind of climbing a bit. I'm, you know, I'm in with those people who have that now, and aspire to that. And, and then the big one that I just was thinking about is the Bible says we're to be zealous for good works. And I've watched Christian brothers and sisters, I've watched it in my own heart and life over the years. The more luxury you have, the less available you are, and the less available you are, the less you're on mission for Jesus.
0: Mm. Yeah. mm.
1: It's hard to be a zealot for good works when you have a whole lifestyle to maintain. Mm. And so you know, I, I wrestle because I'm I'm not I'm not at all suggesting again that Jesus, uh, and his, his, his kind of paradigm or, or model of, of Christian life for us would be that we should have like, as little as possible. I actually think that's a very wrong teaching and, and, and very destructive, and it creates a lot right. of guilt where there shouldn't be guilt. It's, it's a blessing to be blessed. But you know, I, I've just been thinking more and more about how much the New Testament talks about mammon, money, as the love of it as a root of all kinds of evil. And I don't know, Dan, I mean, I just don't know if we modern Christians realize how much we have, you know? We Mm. live, I think you and I have talked about this, we live at levels of resources that, my word, I think most aristocracy in in history didn't have the amount of stuff we have, and the availability Mm. of stuff that we have. So I'm just trying to reflect a little bit about, you know, not, not... Going in some crazy radical direction, but just being aware. When Jesus said, "You can't serve God and money. You can't, can't serve them both. You can have them both. You can't serve them both. Mm. Your heart has to have a treasure, and and where your treasure is, there's your heart." Yes. Um, just thinking about this. So I, I, don't know. That's just sort of a brief sketch of part of the sermon. i would you know, be interested in your interactions with that because I know you've thought about that a lot too.
0: Yeah. Rich people. Um, it. I don't see myself as a rich person, but when I think about it the way you just described it, I'm very rich compared to mm. other people in the world. That that you know, I'm thinking right now of people over in Afghanistan, some oh Christ, Christians over there exactly. who who at a previous time, as recent as months ago, perhaps had 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 quote unquote proudly, <laughs> thankfully registered as Christian on their documentation mm. and now um that is a ticket to them being hunted down by the Taliban. Yeah. And 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 you know Sunday God willing I'll be going to church and I'll see mm. um uh, my family some of my family there and we'll 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 worship together, we'll sing together, hopefully sing loudly mm. and thoughtfully mm. and 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 take in a wonderful sermon and and that sort of thing, but our brothers and sisters in Christ in Afghanistan certainly don't have that kind of freedom yeah. um, as well yeah. as in other places like North Korea uh, etc yeah. even, even China now is the way they're cracking yeah. down so um, we we really have it made and then and then sometimes um, uh, you know maybe I'll get a nail on my tire. And I'll fuss and yeah. complain and take on and say, I don't have time for this. Oh, great, yeah, right. What about the, the, yeah. the Christians over there in Afghanistan that don't have time for for trying to dodge a bullet? Uh, you know, yeah. and here I am complaining yeah. about a, a stinking nail in my tire. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, uh, and
1: I think, you know, the, the point obviously is not that we ought to feel guilty about the fact that we are— Blessed, and uh, no. we experience freedom and all these things. I mean, you know, and I, you know, I've heard, I've heard guilt mongering about this over the years. But <laughs> the point is that there is a stunning lack of gratitude. I mean, I yes. I'm always humbled when I hear Christians from third world countries, and they're, it's not just gratitude. I have I have uh, a buddy who's a, a missionary in Paraguay, and Paraguay is, by comparison, to North America. It's a very very poor place. He works among poor people in a poor in that poor place and he said the thing that's just amazing about these people is they're just so content amen they don't experience the kind of loneliness we do here the kind of anxiety we do here the kinds mm-hmm. of just restlessness we do here they're not they're not desperately looking for some sort of you know distraction from stress they don't even they wouldn't even recognize our stress <laughs> and I just I don't know I, I my point. Is, my point is obviously not that this needs to issue in a certain, you know, massive set of economic changes in our lives. But, man, I am I am concerned about my heart and the hearts of those that I love here in, in my context. And I do wonder, Dan, getting back to the pandemic challenges... I mean, I don't love a lot of what I see going on right now, but I do think that one thing the last two years have done for North American Christians is they have made us very uncomfortable. And I don't think that that's all been good at all. Mm. I wish a lot of it hadn't happened. I hope, you know, this whole thing will eventually kind of go away and we can whatever whatever it looks like, some normalcy, whatever that looks like. But mm-hmm. but I, I do think that this has exposed the... Um, the intensity with which we just want to be comfortable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And disruption frustrates us. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I've just been trying to think about what that says about my heart.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And um, while you were talking, I just brought up James 5, so I could see the words mm. before me. And... Um, it is interesting that he uses such graphic words um when he says, Come now you rich, weep and howl <laughs> for your miseries that are coming upon you. Um You mentioned this uh for people that are rich, um it's not a sin what what's a sin is when they take their riches and they live for them as if they become a god yeah. and then they oppress the poor, they oppress yes. the poor. Yes. Um, yes. I, I, I'm trying to recall the conversation I had with my other son earlier today of people not realizing uh, the ripple effect of their decisions, um, even uh, yeah. like like a special tax on automobiles, uh, gas tax or whatever, uh, more than what we're paying now, and how that has a ripple effect for a guy that has a a business that that's a landscaping mm-hmm. business, and it's one thing yep. for the rich to set up things like this. It's another for the for the small guy that's out desperately trying to feed his family and to make a living, yep. and then having to yep. and then and then volunteering his time to the volunteer fire department, and then running extra miles mm-hmm. for that, and then getting hit in the neck with the extra tax. So I mm-hmm. think I think the rich mm-hmm. can can without realizing it even can oppress the poor people, yeah. and not even realize it. Now, we have a, about two minutes left, three minutes, so why don't you take it back and wrap up the thoughts here today? Today we're talking with pa- Pastor Ben Miller.
1: Well, so again, um, th- this this text is is clearly going after wickedness in, in high and powerful and wealthy places, and so there are, there, there's a whole critique of kind of political and economic structures in, in a society that we could build from this. But my, my, my thought was just to also try to think about, at a very, very personal and local level, how, um, how our hearts are changed by riches. And I think, that, yeah. I think that matters, because we can look at the oppressions and exploitations in the world and see how evil they are, but we are the salt of the earth. And if we are going to be the ambassadors of Christ in a generation where there is a lot of wealth and a lot of oppression and a lot of exploitation, Mm -hmm. I think we really do need to get into our hearts and ask ourselves, in our local relationships, and more than that, in our inward virtues from which we, you know, kind of bear fruit in those relationships, how do we think about money and possessions and you know luxuries and pleasures and appetites and all of that because if the body of Christ is going to be the salt and light of this generation it's going to have to start with different hearts and different relationships you know on the inside <laughs> not just out mm. there but within and if we can love one another well from hearts that are free from worshipping wealth in the body of Christ then perhaps we can have a real influence in a society that obviously is just decadent and where selfishness is just rampant, in part, because we're just so wealthy.
0: Yes. Yes. Very well put. I want to thank you very much. Our guest today has been Pastor Ben Miller, and he's the pastor of Trinity Church in Syosset, New York. Uh, Ben, if someone is nearby and they want to attend your church, uh, what are the times and where is it located?
1: We worship at one o'clock pm. on Sundays at uh, Faith Lutheran Church in sayait two thirty one Jackson avenue and uh, our website is trinitychurchlongisland.com. dot com and all are welcome anytime, including you, brother. If you ever get back down to the island,
0: <laughs> I would love to attend there again. We'll have to see. <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a it's a it's a blessed church, and uh, thank you so much for taking your time today and and sharing a little bit about the Lord. Book of James. It's a rich book, and I'm always amazed. Uh, that that was. Let me just ask you really quick. That was the Lord's brother, was he not?
1: Yes. Indeed. Amazing. So much to think about in that regard. Yeah,
0: It is, because I think of the Westminster where it says, uh, What's the Bible principally teach? Uh, what we are to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. Yeah. It's interesting it broken out that way. And boy, if you want to know your duty, the book of James is right there for you. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Brother Ben Miller, for joining us today. My
1: pleasure. God bless you.
0: Thank you. You too. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.